And so today I'm announcing that I will not be seeking re-election. And that my term as Prime Minister will conclude no later than the 7th of February. That's right, Ardern, Jacinda, Cindy Kins. She's off. She's gone. Toodaloo. She's had enough. And of course, the media, while oh, they're blaming you anti-vaxxers, your hatred, your vitriol, it's, it's too much for anybody to endure. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about a call in New Zealand to change the school curriculum. They, they really, really need to make sure that kids are not prone to disinformation. Is that the disinformation of politicians and the media? Of course not. Of course not. And we're going to pop in and have a peek at the world of the woke because it just never ends the craziness over there as Aretha Franklin is now coming under fire and Norway is investigating paint for being racist, I think. I don't know. We'll find out together. So all of that to come. But first, as always, welcome to another episode of the Arriving Somewhere with Matt J podcast commentary, comedy and conversation. Please remember to like, share, subscribe, 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 comment and all of that good stuff. Alrighty. Well, I've actually been out of town for about a week now, so I didn't get a Friday or a Monday episode up. I do apologize, but I'm back now so you know let's just let's get into the show so as the world's well aware by now Jacinda Ardern stepping down apparently because her tank is empty I didn't realize Cindy identified as a car or a vehicle and look maybe if she hadn't allowed Marsden Point to close down there'd be enough fuel for her tank to continue on as dictator of sorry as prime minister of New Zealand so Terrible shame. And this is what Ardern said regarding her stepping aside. I know there will be much discussion in the aftermath of this decision as to what the so-called real reason was. I can tell you that what I'm sharing today is it. The only interesting angle that you will find is that after going on six years of some big challenges, I am human. Politicians are human. We give all that we can for as long as we can, and then it's time. Well, it's news to me. She's human. Didn't realise that. Didn't realise politicians were human. Thought they were some sort of lizardy robot things, but there you go. She's human. She's out of gas. But would a human be out of gas is the real question. So, you know, we can speculate there that this is exactly what... To me, this sounds like a robot trying to be a human. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But... In all seriousness, the media is now painting this as what she's had to endure over the past six years, the hatred, the vitriol, and look, a lot of Kiwis are going along with it. It's a tough job and they feel sorry for her. The headlines that we're getting over here currently are Jacinda Ardern will need more ongoing protection than any Prime Minister in New Zealand's history. The hatred and vitriol Jacinda Ardern endured would affect anybody. Social media cesspit blamed for growing threats, abuse towards politicians. The hate brigade is out in force. Vicious rhetoric rolls on. Helen Clark, who's our former Prime Minister in the early 2000s, who I, I think is still at the uh, United Nations, it says here, the country has become hugely polarised and as little wonder Jacinda Ardern has decided to call it a day, Helen Clark said. I wonder why we were polarised. It also says, nine out of ten hateful posts tracked in darkest corners of the internet targeted Ardern. Now, these are all articles that have come out over the last three days. So you can see how the mainstream media in New Zealand is going to frame it. Probably the world media 
But I'll read a little bit of this. This is hatred and vitriol Jacinda Ardern endured would affect anybody out of radio in New Zealand. So within hours of Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern's shock resignation in Napier, a small crowd gathers outside the city's conference centre. Unlike the steady stream of shocked Labour MPs still coming to terms with the news, these folks are celebrating. Ding dong, the witch is gone, a placard reads. (laughs) They were prepared quickly. Um, Online there are similar sentiments to be found among actually you know what too quickly they were prepared too quickly so i don't know if there was some sort of foreshadowing of this event or this was broadcast live and people ran down to the conference center and, and sat outside or who knows maybe there were protests outside beforehand anyway anyway it says online there are similar sentiments to be found among groups bitterly opposed to ardern the freedom and rights coalition even takes credit for ardern's departure in a post on facebook we can now celebrate the departure of this leader of division. We did it. The comments on the post are unfit to repeat here. Entering what would have been her sixth year, Ardern is the longest serving Labour Prime Minister after Peter Fraser and Helen Clark. But in an emotional speech to her caucus in Napier, she revealed she no longer had enough in the tank to do the job. Now, we get a, in this article, we get a, an appearance from the Disinformation Project Director, Miss Kate Hanna. The article says, while it wasn't explicitly stated, it's hard to imagine the increasingly violent abuse directed at her was not part of the reason. Quote, it is no surprise to me at all. She could not, not be affected by this, says Kate Hanna. In the early parts of her first term, we got sort of commentary about her looks and her lack of perceived experience. The fact that sort of she was, you know, well spoken, (laughs) well spoken is kind of ironic how uh, this is being phrased, Kate. The fact that sort of she was you know, well-spoken and really good at communicating complex issues was kind of a slur against her. Look, Ardern, good at communicating complex issues. No, she was a politician and she spun a lot of it. She also talked to us like we were kids. She was the mummy and we were all children that needed basic, basic instructions to understand what was going on. You know, she talked to us like kids. It's like what you get with Trudeau. He's very patronising. The way he talks. Similar thing over here, except there was more kindness, more compassion. And, well, as I've talked about previously, the compassion was weaponized. So, the article goes on. But in the past two years, the misogyny and violence directed towards Ardern has not only increased in volume, but also become more dangerous, says Hannah, who studies online hate speech and disinformation. Quote, the language and imagery used to talk about the Prime Minister has become more violent, more vulgar, more crude and repetitive. And then, of course, they've got an image of the protests outside of Parliament. According to a recent study published just before Christmas, which charts the rise of misogynistic language towards female leaders and women in the public sphere, the most prevalent word used to describe the Prime Minister in these circles is the C word, and the most prevalent visual image is of witchcraft. In June, it was revealed the number of threats toward Ardern has almost tripled in the past three years. Gee, I wonder what happened over the past three years. Jacinda. Should we remind everybody of the mandates of segregating society, of saying that's exactly what you're doing, segregating the jabbed and unjabbed? That's what you did. You destroyed people's lives. You brought in radical abortion laws. You took away our water rights. You centralised the healthcare system further. You centralised the education system further. You've put in more and more harsh climate laws, regulations, particularly targeting farmers. You allowed Marsden Point, our only oil refinery, to be shut down. These are just the things off the top of my head. People were angry and have had every right and have every right to be angry about how they were treated, particularly over the lockdown period. And it wasn't the virus that did that. It was you and your government. Now, 
I will just add on to this. Is it okay to violently threaten somebody? No. Can I understand the, the anger though? Absolutely. And pe- again, people have every right to be angry. As Christians, we're actually called to pray for our leaders as difficult as that is to do. And I'm not saying that you wilter and go along with whatever these tyrants of our time dictate, because no, that's not what we're doing either. So back to the article, um, Hannah, who, that's Kate Hannah, who herself has been subjected to similar abuse, including death threats, says she presented the paper's findings to Ardern and a range of MPs late last year. How did Ardern react? As we all do, trying to laugh it off and saying the job is more important, and you just have to get on with the job, says Hannah. But this is no laughing matter, she says. This new, virulent brand of misogyny is on the rise, and it affects all women. The international disinformation far-right pro-Putin community is incredibly misogynistic. (laughs) So many buzzwords. Oh, you love the buzzword articles. Quote, it is incredibly abusive and derogatory, and what it does is attempts to reduce a person to their basic self, and in doing so signals to every other person who shares characteristics with that individual who has been targeted that they are equally worthless, equally base, equally loathed. Um, what? Uh, Anyway, quote... So has this purpose of both targeting individually her as a woman, her role as Prime Minister, and then all women, or all people who share some of those characteristics with her? Okay, so it has this purpose of both targeting. I don't know who wrote this, who edited it, if they're trying to use an AI to write this or not, or if this is a direct quote from Kate Hanna. But it's quite messy. I'll just put it that way. Anyway, Massey University senior lecturer Susie Wilson, that's Susie with an E on the end, S-U-Z-E. I would pronounce that Suze. Anyway, Suze Wilson, who studies leadership and has examined the vitriol aimed at Ardern, says even the coining of Jacinda Mania, referring to her meteoric rise in popularity as leader, served as an early warning of what was to come. <laughs> um, quote, as if someone, as if somehow people were losing their heads to be excited by the prospect of a potential prime minister who was young and female and articulate through to the last couple of years where it's become increasingly violent, the kind of abuse to which she's been subjected well, you know, the leader of the International Union of Socialist Youth is what she was and also a member of the Young Global Leaders of the Klaus Schwab World Economic Forum fame. But, you know, you know, it's just she's just come out of nowhere, sure. Um, while the pandemic has been a factor, research also shows that generally it is becoming more challenging for women to be taken seriously, says, really, says Wilson. Really, is that the case? It's more challenging for women to be taken seriously. It's uh, It's interesting. Um, quote, particularly if they are younger and particularly if they don't cleave to a masculine style, which Ardern does not. No, she just weaponized compassion, but that's all right. It's, uh, it's okay. Just do it for grammar. Uh, everyone needs to do this. And if you're not, if you're not going along, uh, you'll be locked out of society. But you get the gist of this. This goes on. It goes into the global stuff. And then they also, <laughs> Susie, good old Susie, also mentions this. Um, Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate. I don't know how you can... Combine the two, Jordan Peterson and Andrew, that, that just shows a lack of understanding of those two personalities. Uh, I had a conversation with that Institute. You can go have a listen to that episode. I think it was episode 69 about Andrew Tate. It's called The Cult of Personality. You can basically get our views on him there. And I even discuss Jordan Peterson and how somehow the online world has decided to mesh that up, or at least the algorithms are recommending peterson and tate videos together i don't know it's strange but it says here quote from wilson it was showing alarmingly that it's particularly amongst younger men and those are the ones that are being exposed to the likes of jordan peterson and andrew tates of the world 
who are learning from them a really just disrespectful and antagonistic view towards women. That is not what Jordan Peterson teaches at all. If you have ever watched a Peterson video, that's not edited by some disingenuous person posting it online, but an actual Jordan Peterson video or a lecture, listen to a lecture, read his book, and you, if you can take away, if you take away from that, that it's disrespectful and, anti- and antagonistic towards women, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Andrew Tate, on the other hand, sure, I've seen some videos where it does look exactly like that. And again, listen to the Cult of Personality episode for more on my views and that Instachick's views on Andrew Tate. Um, and Wilson here does mention that she noticed a shift in sentiment towards Ardern during the first 2020 lockdown. Gee, gee, I wonder, I wonder why. So there you go, that's what's happening in this country regarding Ardern, of course, the next Prime Minister coming in is looking like Chris Hipkins, who was the C-19 Minister. He's also been Minister for Education, and I think he's on currently the Police Minister. So the education stuff's not going great, neither's the our police and, and our crime. So, <laughs> so, yay. And if you follow me on Instagram, that's arriving somewhere with Matt J on Instagram. I also posted what our C-19 Minister said during the rollout of the jabs. I think early next year we'll be in the phase of chasing up people who haven't come forward to get their vaccination or have missed their bookings and so on. So uh, everyone will be able to get a vaccine between now and the end of the year. Uh, But of course, you know, and and I want every New Zealander to come forward, but human behaviour suggests that there will be some people that we have to actually really go out and look for, uh, and, and some of that may spill into next year. But our commitment is everyone will have the opportunity to get the vaccine by the end of the year. Uh, everyone will, uh, but I, I can't say that you know that we're not going to have some hesitant people or some people who just haven't come forward that we don't have to go out and find next year. That's our probable new Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, who's going to at least be in the job for around seven months or so before the election hits. But look, there's something going on here. Ardern just quitting randomly before all that. Maybe she is exhausted. Maybe that is the case. Maybe she's going into hiding for something she's done. Maybe those above her, those in charge, those trying to run the show that have infiltrated cabinets all around the world, have told her to step down. We don't know yet. Apparently there's been there's been rumours of a, a leak, of a, a letter that was leaked about why she stepped down. I haven't seen that. Um, so we'll just see over the next few days and weeks what actually comes out about all of this. But at the moment, the tank's empty. No fuel to fill it up. Now, with all of that being said, with all this hate speech and abuse articles towards Ardern being just thrown at us from mainstream media every five minutes, it seems, they also came out with a calls for urgent changes to school curriculum to combat disinformation. So let's listen to some of this report from News Hub. There are calls for an urgent change to the school curriculum to teach students how to identify conspiracy theories and fake news. Conspiracy theories. Fueling the rise of misinformation, experts believe education is key to reducing its threat. Alexa Cook has our latest Because It Matters story. Because It Matters. Is the disinformation coming from the government and the mainstream media? Of course not. They are your source of truth. The Parliament protests which ended in fire and fury... Ah, Parliament protests, fire and fury. The propaganda is thick with this report, people. ...was sparked in part by disinformation about COVID-19. Was sparked in part. You've got to love the 
colourful language being used. Searchers found just 12 social media accounts responsible for spreading most of the false information. Isn't it? 12, just 12 for spreading most. It's interesting. I wonder if it was, was it News Hub? Uh, New Zealand Herald, um, New Zealand Media, you know, stuff, any of that? No, it's all the independent ones questioning. Was it people like Chantal Baker? I don't know. I don't think they mention any names in this particular report, but let's go on problem that we have to address and other countries have seen the urgency and have acted accordingly. Disinformation refers to the deliberate spreading of false information, while misinformation isn't necessarily intended to mislead. Toha Toha has been teaching students and librarians to spot both and question what they see online. So Toha Toha is teaching kids how to critically think. Look, critical thinking, that ability is great. To question this is this sounds to me like the indoctrination of children and what sources you can trust kids trust your government maybe i don't know maybe the uh these these news outlets that are doing the reports on this maybe trust them too that's this is what it sounds like to me and toha toha another one of these groups so you got the disinformation project you got toha toha you got fact fighting against conspiracy theories new zealand or aotearoa we have another one too i think it was the hate and extremism uh, something or other. There's a lot of these groups around. Anyway, I wonder what Toha Toha is doing this report. Why, why are they suddenly doing this report? Who is behind the information? What is the evidence? And then what do others say? The not-for-profit organisation uses education to combat the spread of misinformation around COVID-19. It has a real impact on people's daily lives when they watch, you know, a loved one or a young person they know fall down that rabbit hole. Toha Toha received funding during the pandemic. It runs 10-week programmes with 24 schools per term, but its funding is set to run out. There you go, the funding's running out, so Toha Toha needs some more funding, and they apparently did a stellar job during the Voldemort virus outbreak and pandemic combating the dis and misinformation. I've never heard of them. So these this is clearly one of the groups working behind the scenes that was, air quotes, helping kids. But, you know, can they, is it disinformation to say that there's no long-term studies, there's no long-term data, there's no liability for the manufacturers? Is that disinformation that um, EUAs were given and that's the only way that these so-called medicines could be released. Is that disinformation? What about the lab leak theory? That was called disinformation. Is that still disinformation or does it still come from a pangolin or a bat, bat soup? You know, is all that disin- Are we allowed to question? What about all the doctors that were shut down, lost their jobs, things like that? Uh, I mean, is that all disinformation? They, I mean, they lost their jobs for questioning things. They're coming up publicly. What about slandering long-used drugs as horse medicine and fish tank cleaner? Why was that done? Seems a bit strange. Why were there never any of the experts up there debating other experts, other doctors, other scientists in the field, and actually having debates and discussing things, rather than just smearing it all at the other side anyway, the questioning side, as dis and misinformation? Is that how you critically think, or is that just me being a conspiracy theorist? Anyway, back to the report here. Right now, we will not be carrying out uh, any education in terms one, term two, or beyond that. The assurance. Oh no, what a shame. Can give is that I am looking into it. I don't have a solution yet, but I'm trying to work on one. 
That's the Associate Education Minister, Jan Taniti, that you just heard there talking about the assurance that she can give. I am looking into it. I don't have a solution yet, but I'm trying to work on one. There are calls for that solution to go even further. While there are critical thinking skills in New Zealand's curriculum, experts say it needs to be embedded across all subjects and ages to prevent Kiwis from falling down the misinformation rabbit hole. Again, critical thinking, great. Indoctrination, not great. But critical thinking during the lockdowns was almost forbidden. We are your one source of truth, is what came out of the government. That's not critical thinking, that's compliance. Comply with what we say, do not think. So it's kind of ironic that these groups are trying to push critical thinking when that's not exactly what's going on. So it might be being framed as critical thinking. It's not critical thinking. We have a world-class curriculum at the moment, <laughs> but it's a lot is left up to the discretion of the schools and what they're teaching and how teaching. Oh, it's left up to the discretion of the school. So we need to centralise even more. Everyone needs to get on board. We can't leave it up to individual schools. And, oh, no, definitely not up to individual teachers. Different in Finland, rated Europe's most resistant nation to fake news. There, identifying misinformation is taught in primary and secondary schools across all subjects. They are learning to be critical. They are learning to be analytical. And they are learning to justify why this site is not so reliable than another site. The Associate Education Minister has been to Finland to see their system for herself. I saw young people that were defaulting to asking, is this true? She's promising critical thinking will be ingrained in the curriculum refresh that's underway at the moment. It is really urgent and we're putting some criticality behind this right now. We're looking at some of those skills being tested over the next year. Critical thinking skills that will hopefully prevent history from repeating itself. Interesting that she went to Finland and the Finnish Prime Minister visited New Zealand, I think it was it in November 2022, recently anyway, after the last sort of three months, the party PM visited New Zealand. So, so Sana Marin, I think was her name, visited here. New Zealand Education or Associate Education Minister visited over there. Interesting. And the, of course, Finnish PM having ties to the WEF as well. Also, we're going through a school curriculum refresh is what they're calling that are they going to do revisionist history and really focus on the crimes of New Zealand? I don't know. We'll see. But they're, they're definitely rehashing the, the history curriculum. They're obviously going to try and push more and more of the critical, so-called critical thinking into it as well. But yes, the whole curriculum is being refreshed at the same time. So look, there's a lot going on in New Zealand. And not a lot of it seems to be in a positive direction. But hey, the former... International Union of Socialist Youth leader Cindy, Cindy Kins, she's gone. Is that something to be happy about? Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, a lot of Kiwis disagree with that. They they feel sorry for her and not, they don't feel sorry about the, the lives that were wrecked over the last three years. But look, it is, it's a positive that this has happened, but <laughs> don't, don't get your hopes up for what's coming in behind her. Don't get your hopes up for the opposition party. Don't put your faith in any of these people. Don't put your faith in men. Okay, so ending with a again a bit of a bit of a laugh, bit of an eye roll from the Daily Mail in the UK. Aretha Franklin 
Her song Natural Woman is deemed offensive to trans women. Outrage as activists demand songs removed from Spotify and Apple Music. (laughs) Released back in 1967, the stirring love ballad is now facing scrutiny despite preaching positive messages in regards to women and femininity in general. Leading the charge to have the song nixed is the Norway-based Transcultural Mindfulness Alliance, the TCMA, a group that was started this year. So they're a few weeks old and they're just coming in to make a splash. That's what it sounds like. So this group uh, that was started this year has since made its presence known with a series of polarising posts on social media. So they're just trying to get into the media, it sounds like. I wonder who's funding them. Uh, Statements made by the dubious organisation, which defiantly claims that it is genuine and not a parody account, have spawned outrage, including its January 20th request to pull Aretha's song. So, you know, look, this could be a parody account and the media's going to pick up on it and run with it, but ridiculous, funny, but ridiculous. Now, I'm not sure what's going on in Scandinavia, well, Norway in particular, because that's a group out of Norway. Also out of Norway, Norwegian government funds research to find out if white paint is racist. Now, this article came out on January 20th, 2023. That Aretha Franklin one was four days later, 24th of January, 2023. What is going on in Norway right now? So it says here, is white paint racist? Norway's University of Bergen is exploring that question, asking how the aesthetic of white paint helped the nation contribute to white supremacy and helped make the world whiter. I wonder if they're going to do any research on snow. I mean, are polar bears racist? Where where do you go from here? I thought this would be parody. Apparently it's had $1.2 million dollars US in funding. So the Research Council of Norway, a government agency, is funding the study by University of Bergen Associate Professor and Historian Ingrid Halland through a grant of 12 million Norwegian kroner. Is it krone or kroner? Anyway, um, about 1.2 million US dollars to explore the paint colour's historical legacy, its origins in Norway, and features images of several of the nation's buildings plastered in the colour. <laughs> The overall ob- objective of Nor White is to critically and visually investigate the cultural and aesthetic preconditions of a complex and unexplored part of Norwegian technology and innovation history that has, at this project, as this project claims, made the world whiter. The description concludes. Now, the study is also sponsored by two of the major companies that contributed to the titanium white paints prevalence in the country. <laughs> because they've got to be made to feel guilty and made to look like they're actually doing something about their pushing of apparently white supremacy through the paint that they made. The study cites that titanium dioxide is a part of everyday life, including in food, paper, tattoos, synthetic textiles, cosmetics, and more, in addition to altering the country's architectural aesthetic through a brighter, more opaque colour, and research aims to dissect the historical development that quote, revolutionised the colour industry with an absolute white colour. Doesn't this seem like the sort of thing where people get into positions, into roles that never really existed in the past and they kind of have to justify that they're there? I mean, to receive 1.2 million approximately US dollars in funding to study this, whether the paint that your country has used is racist, I mean, we just keep finding new levels of crazy in this world. And 
both of these stories out of Norway in the last week. So something's going on in Norway. But look, we've got to critically think. We've got to question everything. So maybe white paint is racist. Maybe we should cancel white paint. Natural woman. Yeah, get rid of it. We've got to, we've got to question that too because maybe, maybe there is no such thing as a natural woman. This is critical thinking 101. And I think this sort of stuff should be embedded into our school curriculums. Critically think. And the conclusion should be, natural woman, that's offensive, white paint, racist. And I think I'm going to leave today's episode right there. So thanks again for listening to another brilliant, informative, hilarious episode of the Arriving Somewhere with Matt J podcast. Commentary, comedy and conversation. Just a reminder to subscribe if you haven't. And I will talk to you again in the next one.